Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We are so thrilled that you have joined us for today's conversation, and it's going to be a great one. It's actually a return guest. I'll let Andy introduce him in just a minute. But before we get to that conversation, I want to ask you and remind you to do a couple of things. First, we would love for you to rate our podcast, and it's really easy to do. You can go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP, and then we'd like you to subscribe to our podcast. That really uh, helps you more than it helps us, and um, you know, you, we don't want you to miss a single episode. We believe every conversation that we have helps you to uh, be encouraged and equipped to lead in the local church, and so we want you to, to be a part of every conversation, and so whether that's on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, that little notification bell, or whether it's on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Now, here's today's conversation. We are delighted that you have joined us this week on the podcast. Uh, Mark and I have a follow-up conversation, part two, if you will, uh, to a wonderful conversation we had uh, way back on episode, what was it, Mark, episode 84 or so, somewhere in right there? Now. Uh, with Dr. Scott Sullivan. Uh, Scott serves as the discipleship catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And Scott, we are so glad you have time to come back and join us on the podcast. As a matter of fact, we feel like maybe that's a, a benevolence a matter that you have saw fit to, to come and return on the podcast. But thank you for joining us, Scott. It, it's benevolent of you guys to allow a knucklehead like me to come on here <laughs> and to speak. It really is an honor to get on with you guys. I love what you're doing. I love your heart for disciple making and uh, man, anything I can do to be a part of that. Cause you know, when we talk about these things, I share stuff that I hear or, you know, maybe my opinion, but I'm also learning from you guys. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And, uh, and look, we're, it's always like personal validation for us when somebody agrees to come back on the second time. That's really not why we're having you back. But, but uh, uh, we talked about the watershed principle the first time um, you were on the, the podcast, and it was a great conversation that led to a lot of follow-up conversations for us and, and probably, you know, for, for some of our listeners and watchers. But we want to drill down on some things related to that today. And, you know, in your role, you see a lot of trends, you see a lot of markers, you see a lot of indicators. And, you know, Annie and I talk a lot about some small shifts, some intentional shifts that need to take place. Um, in order to, for the church to thrive in the future, because let's face it, you know, church in 2021 is very different than church in 2019, and church in 2025 is going to be very different than church in 2021. Not that the purpose is different, right? We're all still making disciples. That's what our goal is. That's what we're going to be measured by. But the way that fleshes out in the context of our culture obviously changes over time. So what are some shifts, Scott, that you have seen maybe need to take place in order for churches to thrive in the future? Yeah, we, we just um, we throw a few out here. And adaptation, really, Mark, is going to be key to where we're headed. And you hit it right on the head because we don't know in August what things are going to be like, much less this time, this time next year. This whole post-pandemic world is crazy. So let me just throw one that I see. Churches that love their model more than their mission are going to really struggle in the future. And and think about this, a pastor 
has got to get into his church. And most of our pastors, let's be honest, we have a lot of church planters. We got a lot of replants, a lot of adoption, fostering, all that stuff going on. But the truth is in, in our convention, most churches are still long tenure established churches. So that pastor is faced with a question of, do I maintain where we are or do I tell the truth and try to move forward? And that is, that is the tension our pastors are living with. And I'm telling you, every, almost every single day, I hear that conversation. I, I hear that tremble in their voice of knowing where they need to go, but it's just so painful. So when I say this, you know, hey, when you love your model more than your mission, I want to be really careful that I don't come across as judgmental or if you just do what I say, this thing will work out all right, because man, it is tough. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say it's tough to work out. And, uh, and, and what I would say is it's, it's like the idea of moving from program to pathway, because I grew up and, and I'd love to hear from you guys on this, but I grew up in the programmatic church. So I don't want to throw too many stones at it, but, but we know where we are today, that model as looking at the big picture, it just didn't work. Okay. There's some good things we can take from it and we need to hold on to the good, but the pathway of, of being intentional about every single thing that we do and knowing where we want to take people is critical. And here's the struggle that I have. Matter of fact, I went to, you guys ever been to Mount Vesuvius? I have not. It's an incredible place. I had the opportunity to go there. Uh, it's around Naples, Italy. And, um, and I was there in the town and I'm walking through these literally 2000 year old Roman roads that still have the ruts in them where the wagons would come through town. And, and what I was astounded by number one, that the road system was still in place. I mean, it was still navigable. This is 2000 plus years later, but the buildings had indoor plumbing. They, they had bathhouses that the men would go through that had heated floors and would, uh, they had capacity to create steam in the room. And I, and I remember sitting there thinking, I, I went through and I looked at all that and I got outside and I'm on this Roman pathway and I looked up at Mount Vesuvius looming in the background. Then I thought, They've implemented every sort of modern technique and luxury, but they've ignored their responsibility to prepare for the future. Hmm. And I feel like that's where a lot of our churches and our, our pastors are. And, and honestly, Andy, Mark, I think that's what we're trying to do. On, and when we do these broadcasts and when we try to get conversations started is just help people think. We've got to think beyond today and even beyond tomorrow, but for the next decade and where we're headed. So this is one of the shifts, you know, shifting from the programmatic to the, to the pathway. And, um, and y'all probably remember the Gallaudy SBC report that came out, right. That we've talked about for what, three years now, that 7.1 million were baptized the last 20 years with zero increase in attendance. Um, what we've done hasn't worked. And right. I think you guys have a finger on the pulse of some of the things that are. So I'd love to hear from you guys um, what you're seeing in this area. Well, you know, that's, that's our passion. Yeah, I think, I think what you're talking about, Scott, is several conversations we've had recently. 
Uh, we've had conversations with people who are, work in the church, who consult with churches. And I, I think that's maybe the phrase would be, even though the gospel doesn't change and our mission hasn't changed, uh, what has gotten us here won't get us there. Mm. And it's hard to determine, obviously, what what's going to be long-term planning for us in, in leading the local church. But in the meantime, we need to, like you said, we need to look around and see what, what is looming over our heads. I mean, a lot of us have uh, issues or problems or, or, or things that challenge us and we need to recognize those things. One of the things I'm hearing find it out is uh, some church leaders in established churches who have been there a long time. It has been a wake up call for them to see, you know what, I may not be the leader that this church needs to, to take us to where we need to go next. Hmm. Everything that I was taught principle wise and strategy wise and philosophy of ministry, those things are just not going to cut it from this point forward. So you're, you're looking at maybe some transitions that are happening because of, of all this, because leaders are wisely recognizing that, that maybe that they've tapped all their bandwidth uh, at this point, and, and it's going to be somebody else to take, take the church uh, as it is to, to where it needs to be. Yeah, so we're hearing a lot of that's that. That's strong, Andy. I was uh, with Mark Clifton. We did an interview with him earlier this week that'll, that'll go live on our Georgia Baptist discipleship stuff. And he was talking about the stress that if you don't know Mark Clifton, sorry, he's the, uh, the lead oh, for, yeah, we've uh, had him on the podcast. Okay, great, great. Yeah. Um, incredible guy, great speaker. And, but he was talking about just the stress that our pastors are under of what you're talking about because they've, everything they've known coming into this has changed so much. They're looking at the next few days, weeks, months, and years and thinking, I can't get us where we need to be. And, and I want to, I just want to encourage our leaders that are out there because a call to ministry is not necessarily a call to know everything you're supposed to do. Mm, A call to ministry is a call to be faithful and, and in that, I think the best thing that you and I can do as organizational leaders, of course, you guys are in the trenches, um, but, but the best thing we can do is give that networking where we're asking similar questions. Yeah. And we are uh, like what we're doing in Georgia, man. We've got 40 different learning communities now set up with over 250 leaders meeting every month or every other month. And that's what these are for, just to, to make sure that we can finish well, that we're uh, resourcing one another, encouraging one another. And um, yeah, it's just really good. And I think the church, honestly, did you guys grow up in the kind of church where, you know, maybe you had that buffet of programs to choose from and you just kind of pick and choose what you want to, or, or maybe the church even expected you to do all of that buffet. Um, That model is going to be so stinking hard in the future. What, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's that menu approach, right? We talk about that all the time. We talk about it's a map, not a menu, because, uh, yeah, you know, that approach, I guess, worked somewhat well in the 90s. Um, when I say worked, it, it, it drew crowds. <laughs> it got people through 101, 201, 301, 401 pretty well. And I think uh, it worked, Mark, for a period of time because it was new. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. You know, like but when something's honestly, new. it didn't produce many disciples, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it produced people who graduated from curriculum programs, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, so, so let me say this as we're talking with you, Scott, for those listening, we're not bashing 
and you said it yourself, but we're not bashing, you know, what God has done in the past. We're not bashing pastors who that's all, you know, right now, look, we're, we want to throw you a lifeline. Okay. We, yeah. you know, I know because I, I interact with pastors and leaders all the time that are struggling because that's all they know. And they know that it's not going to work, but they don't know where to go now. And so we want to help. And, you know, this is kind of a, sometimes you need a, a two by four upside the head to, to wake you up and say, okay, it's time. Right. So, so that's really, so that, that intentional pathways, I think, uh, you know, that the pathway versus the program's important and, and look, we don't have time to really drill down on all of it right now. Contact Scott, contact me or Andy to help, you know, develop that pathway to really it's in scripture. We don't have to make it up. It's already there, but, but um, so let, let me, let me say this. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to be devil's advocate a little bit, Scott. And I'm going to be that, that, that voice out there listening to you and saying, okay, so are you saying we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater? I mean, should I just forget everything I know about church? Should I tell my people to go home, turn your screen on and gather in a couch with 10 other people and just do church that way? Or, or are you saying something different? Yeah. So let me say two things about the program deal. And then I'll get into that other, um, because one of the questions I get is like what you're talking about. Okay. Let's say I need to make a shift. Like, how do I do that and not sink the ship, mm. which is a legit question and which is what, what um, Gavin Spinney, our lead pastor, and I did in Halton for that 16 years that I was there in Northwest Louisiana prior to coming here. Um, two things that I would say um, when you're, when you, for those of you who are in this program church, one is don't be married to anything but your spouse. Mm. I think that's key because um, when we talk about love and the model more than the mission, so here's, man, I learned this for, guys from my dad. This is so rich. So I come in there and I'm, well, I won't tell you what my grandpa used to say, um, but, but I'm just full of passion. And, um, and I come in there and I'm making some changes and like, I didn't even ask if I could change the name of Sunday school to life group. I just changed it. Right. So get in there and making these changes. And my dad caught me one day at lunch, Sunday lunch, he was in the church and he said, son, I'm not, I'm not against what you're doing. I don't quite understand it, but you got to understand for those who've done this our whole life and that are now 60, 70 plus years old, he said, our identity is tied to the church. Like who we are is tied to what we do. And he said, I can't explain to you the depth of how much we feel like we have to protect what has been and where we're headed so that maybe some newfangled theology comes in and wipes the whole thing out. And man, I'm telling you, when he told me that, I just remember thinking, wow, that is such perspective that helped me with the people in the pew the, uh, when we're trying to make these, these shifts. So first one, don't be married to anything, your the spouse. The second one that I would say is programs should complement people's lives and not complicate them. And this was a big thing for me to learn. Um, you know, when we're talking about the changes that, that need to be play in, in place at church, you know, like if we've, you know, we're trying to create some big deal and, and we create it on the same day of opening day of Little League. Like, why would we do that? Why would you have a vacation Bible school training on the same day that 60% of your kids are going to be opening day festivities with a parade? So those are two things that I would say that I think are really important. Um, and if that didn't exactly hit your question, you can, you can rephrase that if you need. No, that's great. That's great. W what about the, you know, so I think you answered it in what you just said, but you know, the people who are, are thinking that any shift and change is going to completely change church and 
that, you know, online church is the only future and that kind of mm. thing. Yeah. One thing is I think we got to think biblically. Okay. Um, I had this conversation yesterday with a guy here locally who is very staunch in that the, that the gathered church on Sunday morning is not biblical. It should only be outside. It should be in the homes and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and here's what I would say. We try to put the tag of, hey, let's be biblical about what we do in church on whatever our method is. And what that does is it, it, we feel like it gives the biblical credibility and it makes us better and stronger than those who are around us. Guys, you can't tell a church that's got $5 million invested in a building that, hey, by January 2022, you need to change your entire model and move everybody to homes. <laughs> I mean, that's not, I mean, you want to talk about biblical? Let's talk about biblical stewardship. That's right. We've got to be stewards of the money that's been spent on these buildings and figure out how to, because the issue isn't what's the most biblical model. The, the issue is what will allow me to maximize gospel impact through this local congregation that God has called us to band together and do. And it may be meeting on Sunday morning. Praise the Lord if you had an incredible service with an incredible band or worship team or choir um, that can do that and, and preach a powerful message and, and gather the troops and gain momentum and then and then get out and, and make disciples and replicate and all that. Praise the Lord for that. And if you choose to do the home church, here's what, I, here's what I tell people all the time. Figure out who you are and be very good at it. Mm. It's not about being like the guy down the street or looking at Andy Frazier's church. And man, I tell you what, if I could just be like Andy, I'm telling you, we kill it in Georgia. No, you won't. Be very good at what you, who you are in your local context and then crush it in that area. And I can show you churches within 10 miles of our building. We're in Duluth, Georgia. And I can show you churches within 10 miles of us who are, you don't get more traditional. They got the choir, they got the robes, but they do it very well. And I've been there and I left there thinking that was incredible. It was just very expositional, um, biblical, passionate preaching of the word with, with, with worship that drew me to the Lord. And then the next Sunday I went to a church equally distance and they got the praise team, no choir, everything's painted black around me. They got stage lights, got the pastor in skinny jeans. And, and I, and I left her thinking that was incredible. Mm. It was a great message. He loves Jesus. He was pointing his people to serve their community and make disciples and the worship led me to the throne. So what's wrong with either one of them? I don't think it either one. Be who you are in your context and be very good at it. That's very important for us to understand in our context who God's called us to be as, as a church. I mean, that, that question Mark Clifton asks, you mentioned Mark Clifton a while ago, you know, if your church were to close its doors, would your community feel that, that, uh, that existing presence of your church being gone, would it hurt your community? So, I mean, we, we need to make a difference, not just with the gospel in our community. And like you said, be very good at what we're supposed to do. So we're, we're talking about a lot of changes today. I, I, to me, that's kind of maybe one of the underlying things that we're talking about is the, the changes maybe we haven't made, we should have over the last few decades, the changes we're looking at that we're uncertain of that we probably need to start investigating and prayerfully considering and definitely changes we're going to have to make in the future to address our culture. And 
I mean, I, one of my greatest examples is my wife's precious grandmother, who's soon to be 95 years old, who uh, carries an iPhone, an iPad, will Facebook, send you an emoji text. She was on a podcast recently. You know, I mean, she is not scared one bit to embrace technology, to make changes, you know, and for me to, to have a, that kind of relationship, knowing her, it's very encouraging. But our churches and sometimes are unwilling to embrace needed changes. And I think that goes hand in hand with maybe the metrics we're looking at, how we measure success in our ministry, in our church, or, or in the kingdom. So has that changed? Has the metrics for, for how we measure things changed? And should it change? Well, here's my thought. The metrics have not changed, but they need to. Hmm. I mean, that is, I can't tell you how many conversations that we're having here at Georgia Baptist Mission Board in that. So here's the complication that I'm seeing, guys. The whole convention is networked in how we measure success. And, and it was going through Lifeway and it comes out in that annual church report. But, and we're, and listen, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm a fan of knowing how many people were in your worship service, how many people were in your group Sunday school and how much money you gave. I'm a fan of that. I think we need to track it. I think it's a great metric. So I'm not against it. My problem is that's not giving us a clear picture mm. of success. Cause I can tell you, I can tell you a church right now who's going to have big service Sunday morning. They're going to have a jillion dollars coming in and they're going to have people in some semblance of a group's capacity, but I would not take my children to grow up in that church. So that can't be the only thing that we're, that we're measuring. So here's one that I would throw out. And I'd love to hear from y'all. I think the number of groups that we started this past year should be um, a metric that's non-negotiable. Cause if we're talking about multiplication and if that is a legit metric that we need to figure out our churches multiplying are we making disciples we know that the number of disciples that are replicated tends to follow the number of groups that we start out um, i think that's one of the the big ones that we've got to jump into what do you think oh i i agree 100 percent um you know it's 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 interesting and i'll give some encouragement to to the leaders listening um, this can be done. I promise. Uh, you know, the church I serve at now, you know, the, the four, the four B's, right. That's what we're measured when I got here, butts in the seats, budget buildings. Um, you know, those things are, are what we always look for and, and measure traditionally in church. And so we began to shift immediately and we still measure attendance. Um, we still measure, you know, like you said, how much we give, but we, we really created a shift in what we measure. We, we measure um, what we call D groups, discipleship groups. We measure uh, the, the amount of people attending D groups, right? Because if you're going to multiply groups, you should multiply disciples. Um, we measure our life groups, which are our small groups. Uh, but we have in our church, we have 20 next steps um, that, you know, at least one of which will be a part of every sermon. In every, you know, every meeting that we have, there's going to be one of those 20 next steps. And so every, every week we measure how many of those next steps were taken. And we have a point value system that we align to each one. And it really helps us week to week, month to month, year to year, measure life transformation. Mm -hmm. Now it's not the end all be all, right? So I, I can't tell you this a perfect way, but I agree with you hundred percent, Scott. We've got to figure out 
ways to measure real disciple making and real life transformation, because that's the goal, right? The goal isn't to draw a crowd. I mean, think about Jesus. He drew large crowds and then he pushed them away and, and left them and went and spent time with the few. And so the, the, that can't be the, the, the end all be all metric. And so anyway, I agree with you hundred percent. Andy, you got any? No, I mean, I, I, I think uh, we normally try to end our, our time, Scott, as you know, with our, our guests giving us something encouraging. I think you've maybe challenged us and that might be our encouragement today is just to really kind of step back and evaluate where we are, where we think we're headed and what we're doing to, to kind of assess where we are and, and where we're headed. Now, do, do you have anything encouraging, Scott, that maybe you want to share as we close out our time that maybe somebody might be in the, the middle of just trying to figure out and get their bearings of where they are, or, or maybe, maybe they're a little discouraged because they are looking around at what's happening at other churches or, 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 and they're, they feel like they're, they're left out or left behind. Absolutely, Andy, because I think it's really important for every leader to start where you are with what you have. You mm -hmm. can't, we got, we all got excuses. If you can see right here over my shoulder, I, this may be a podcast and folks can't see it, but over my right shoulder is a sign. Um, and, and basically what it, it tells people is that we're not going to accept excuses. Hmm. Don't, don't make excuses, make a way. And that's what we've got to do as leaders is, is not focus on what we can't do and what we don't have to start where you are and work forward. And, and really this, what I would say here is a third shift that I would even mention to us to consider is that the leaders who become personal disciple makers and lead disciple making churches are going to win the day. Like think about how much we do. I work a 50 to 60 hour work week every week in, in, and they're wrapped around my boys playing ball and my, my wife starting a floral business. And it's just so much happening there. And we got to figure out how, how to make all of this mesh and how to, how to get that to work. Well, I've got to be a personal disciple maker. And if a pastor is, is looking at, or a leader is looking at this, okay, where do I start? The first place that I would encourage you to start is, is get a group of men or women, gender specific, maybe, and begin investing your life in them and networking with them with the intention of multiplying out. And here's the deal. You guys in Alabama, you can help them figure out how to do this. Because the truth is, um, I would say more than 80% of those who are going to listen to your podcast have never been personally discipled. If you'd asked me that, I, have, I wasn't. I was discipled coming through East Texas Baptist University, New Orleans Seminary, Master's and Doctoral Work, connecting with people. And I was discipled over a period of time. And then I learned how to be in that and how to do that. But that's a great way to start. And then you guys can help them. And of course, we do the same thing in Georgia. That's why we exist is to help those things go. So, um, and if I could close with just a, I guess, a thought of encouragement, you know, we deal with people in these pathways, disciple making strategies for our churches. And that's a, that's kind of a hot topic. There's a lot of people talking about what's my strategy for, for becoming a disciple making church. The struggle that I have and my encouragement to leaders is this, your most foundational layer of any strategy that you're going to implement with your church starts with your personal walk with Jesus. You've got to be in the word. You've got to be a person of prayer. And, and let me encourage you, plan in time, plan in what we call margin 
into mm. your day, into your life to think and dream. You'll never move forward if you're not, if you don't become a future tense thinker, if you don't begin to think outside of borders and create the margin for the Holy Spirit of God, who's already trying to talk to you and wants to speak and wants to engage and, and wants to have that Old Testament hesed, that, that loyal connection um, with you. But we've got to plan that in. And I think what it speaks to the Lord is our commitment, our seriousness to walking with him when we commit that time to be who he says we should be and follow him wholeheartedly. Amen. I, I think that's Amen. spot on. Well, Scott, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us. And thank you for just giving us some time. And, and again, I feel like the, the same way we felt after the first conversation, we're just getting started, but uh, yes. uh, we're going to put some, some links in the show notes for people to, to get some of your resources and get in touch with you and, uh, I know those watching and those listening have been encouraged and equipped today. So uh, we thank you again for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. You bet guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. And thank you for everybody who has uh, loyally been watching and listening to the podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the church leadership podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 